Hi, everyone. Welcome to the African Dialogue podcast. Thank you for listening in. Today, we have a special guest with us, um, Kendall Nobly Chime, and he's going to be sharing with us his journey post-retirement. You know, we look at having different perspectives from different demographics. So this is a very important um, discussion that we're going to have. So thank you for joining us. And just to start, maybe you can give us a brief background of who you are. Yeah, good evening, Pezo. Uh, my name is Noble Chime. I served in the Zambia Air Force for almost 32 years. And uh, uh, I was retired. Uh, that's about 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago. Yes. And uh, I was uh, wondering, what do I do? Uh, after soul searching with my wife and my children, we started a project and uh, built a school in an area called Ballaston, just the outskirts of Lusaka on the western side. And uh, uh, that is in an area called uh, Zingalume. Yeah. Uh, Zingalume is, uh, is not the place for the, uh, the upper Mwambas. Uh, okay. There's uh, a clear sign of uh, uh, depravity. You see children running about everywhere and anytime. Uh, children that normally would be in school. And this is because the school in the area, which is a government school, is overcrowded yeah. and cannot take any more children. So we thought uh, we would provide a service and help the community by building a school, which though private in nature, would run on the terms of a community school. Uh, so that uh, we welcome those uh, that would normally not afford to go to a private school. Uh, we built the school and right now it is running from nursery up to grade seven. Oh, that's very impressive. And how many students do you have at the moment? At the moment, we're running about 200 or so children. And um, uh, we should have had about perhaps 300, but uh, we were hit with the, the COVID. And even though the fees are very low, yeah. uh, many of the parents still cannot afford. And as if that wasn't enough, uh, three of our teachers uh, went for greener pastures somewhere else and uh, went with them uh, about uh, 50 or to 60 children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, they are coming back. We, yeah. They are trickling back one by one. They come back with apologies. They didn't know what they were doing, and we welcome them. <laughs> that's good. No, that's really yeah. nice to hear. So, um, you've mentioned that you part of your post retirement was um starting this school, and you mentioned that it's um a school that's in um an area that's not really well developed. How has the presence of this school within this area also impacted generally the area and the livelihoods of the people who live in the specific area? Yeah, quite, quite clearly it's, uh, it's done a few things. 
uh, one of them is it brought about some level of competition amongst uh, the community schools in the area and also the private schools. Uh, one of our mainstays uh, as a family, we said, we shall do a school that will actually be of very high standard. We refer to it as the Kabulonga Standard School, bring it to Zingalume and charge the Zingalume fees. Okay. In so doing, the school is the cheapest in the area. And yet, we look to produce the best. You know? Yes. Uh, so those that charge uh, higher fees than we do strive to improve their quality. Yeah. By so doing, we have upgraded the levels of the education being provided for the children in the area. Yeah. They are not uh, feeling neglected anymore. Okay. Yeah, we, we invite the parents uh, because we want them to get involved with the running of the school. For instance, the fees are fixed by the parents not by myself or my family as the owners of the school. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so we allow for the Parents Teachers Association to come together, discuss, and uh, they agree the fees and whatever they do agree, I accept. Okay. And uh, I, I spend my time there almost every day. I am there because uh, I have to look at the finances. Yes. Uh, mainly because uh, it is very difficult to try and uh, trust the handling of the monies to the characters in the area. And also uh, the school cannot afford to pay a full-time accounts officer. Yeah. Yeah, so the, in fact, the school accounts are done uh, by the outsourced uh, uh, consultancy. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, uh, for a fee, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, that sounds like a very good um, model that's being implemented with the, with mm. the school. Um, mm. But I'm I'm now just um, thinking about how how um, sustainable is this kind of model because it seems that it's something that you started out on your own. Do you get funding for it, or is it self-sponsored? Do you have well wishes? How would you ensure that it's sustainable, especially if it's the parents as well who are the ones who um, agree on the fees that are going to be paid, I would imagine mm. then the amounts of money that are received are not that substantial and considering also the location of the school. Yeah. Uh, it is quite sustainable because, uh, uh, you know, I, I talked to my children and yeah. uh, they all bought on to the thought and the idea, uh, initially, in fact, when we started, the children were contributing the salaries for all the teachers. I see, okay. Yeah, each child will put in a certain amount and together we were able to pay the teachers. The main uh, thing that keeps us uh, uh, afloat is the fact that we do not rent the facility. Yeah. We we built it. We built it with my uh, my money, the, the benefits I got from my retirement, uh, and so we are not indebted to anybody. Okay. Uh, our rate of growth and development is a. Uh, 
you know, rather slow uh, because uh, we only develop as the funding allows. Um, the little fees that we get, all of it goes to uh, the teachers and also whatever remains to the development of the school. Yeah. Uh, when, for, for example, when we had the inspectors from the Ministry of Education, they, they recommended we charge a minimum of 2,500 kwacha per term. Yeah. At that time, they asked me, how come you are managing on 500 kwacha per term? Yeah. You know, and I told them, well, I, for one, I work there, but I don't get paid by the school. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm sustained by my children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we think when the classes are full, even though the fees are so low, we should be able to make ends meet uh, and also help us to meet the few. There are a few children who are on full sponsorship by the school. Yeah. For instance, we've had uh, a number of children whose parents have died while they are in school. Yeah. You know, uh, so suddenly they've been turned into orphans and we, we have difficulties in throwing them out of the school simply because they can't pay the fees. Yeah. So those we adopt and we, we start paying for them. Yeah. All that it has done is minimize my my social spending, so to say. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't play golf anymore. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, because I need to save every coin I can. Um, but uh, you know, with God's help, we are sustained. Okay. We even we even have plans to grow the school puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, right now we are having pressure from the parents uh, because the children, when they do grade seven, yeah, they have to leave the school, and uh, the parents are not happy with uh, wherever the children go, so they are pressurizing us to start grade eight, and uh, uh, we we. We are planning to do that in three years' time. All right. So it's in really fact, that at the, the, the grade sevens that will sit 2022 yeah. uh, should be the first ones to start the grade eight, 2023. 2023. All right. Yeah, those, those are our plans. No, it, it's and we, we are sure God will provide the funds. Yes. <laughs> No, it's good to hear about the um, progression plan that you're already thinking yeah. ahead. So I know yeah. you've, you've mentioned a lot about um, discussing with your family and I can tell that uh, family is an integral part of your life. And now you've also just um, mentioned how you believe that the funds will be provided, that God will provide the funds. So I can already deduce that family and um, your faith is an integral part of your life. How has this impacted your life? Oh, positively, Pezu. The, the, motto, the motto of our school is uh, for God, for country, for neighbor. Yeah. And on our logo, we have uh, a little child reaching out to the stars. Yeah. And the star we have on our logo is the star of David. Yeah. We, we are firm believers. And uh, all the time we look to God to sustain us, 
to maintain the moral fiber of the school and the teaching. Yeah. We, we insist on the sobriety amongst all the staff. We want them morally upright because they have to be example to the children and also to the parents. Yeah. And uh, I think it, uh, it's a positive factor to my life and all those concerned. And I like the way it is uh, kind of uh, uh, facilitating for my children to see the need to have uh, the mind of, uh, of charity, really. Um, I know it's it's not easy for them to contribute part of their money every month yeah. to to this affair, but uh, uh, you know I think it teaches them one or two things also to realize that uh, uh, helping the community is one of the good values in life. Yeah, um, you know when you when you visit the place and you see some of the children. Find they actually do need help. Yeah, uh, you know, you. It is not nice to condemn children to the life that their parents uh, restrict them to. Uh, ultimately, they end up with a, a terrible disadvantage to the beginning of life. Yeah. So uh, a good start in a fairly good school. Is a, is a tremendous equalizer to uh, the opportunities that are afforded to the children. I think in that regard, we, we do get quite a, an amount of satisfaction and contentment to what we are doing. Yes. Yeah. What about in your personal life? How has your faith modeled you as the person who who you are or who you aspire to be? Oh, well, I don't know. There are a number of people that quite clearly call on me every now and then. And they call on me because they are in some form of trouble. They, they need uh, uh, some advice. Uh, some have family problems and they want uh, ideas on how to resolve them. Uh, and we do our fair share of contributing. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm a teacher of men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a teacher of men. Um, I have been developed through thick and thin. Uh, you know, being a, a fifth born in a family of 12 children, I have found myself head of a family uh, because uh, the, my siblings, my seniors who I used to look to are gone to be with the Lord. So I suddenly find myself with a very, very large number of people to look after, uh, whose lives I must get involved in, in seeing how to help out so that, uh, uh, you know, they can have uh, a certain level of comfort as, uh, as they live on this earth instead of being left to object poverty. Yeah. Uh, some simply need guidance in how to live well in society. And, uh, you know, towards those ends, we contribute. Yeah. Uh, I think without uh, the connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, life would have been very difficult for me to go through those responsibilities. Um, I think the main stronghold that uh, keeps me going is my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. And have you always been a Christian? Did you grow up no, in a no. Christian home? No, Pedro. I haven't always been a Christian. Um, well, my, my parents, and indeed the village they came from, used to be Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, as, a, as a young boy, I remember my uncle used to take me along to read uh, the Watchtower. Yes. You know, they, they have a vernacular magazine called Ulupungulwa Kwa Kalinda. I used to accompany my uncle door to door, you know, uh, preaching the gospel on the lines of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, but uh, when I started school, uh, I started school in 1955. Uh, we had the Sunday school. We, you know, we were, we became religious at school. And so uh, I would say it was a Christian faith. Yeah. Uh, but uh, nothing serious. Uh, when I joined the military, uh, of course, I went to England for training where the entire service runs on the, the, the guidance of the Anglican Church. Uh, I came back as a soldier. I learned all the, the catch of the military uh, you know, you drink a lot of alcohol and uh, the government, as if to do us a favor, uh, used to give us alcohol duty-free, tobacco duty-free. So I was, uh, you know, I used to laugh. I was a connoisseur. Lots of drink, lots of smoking. Uh, but uh, by the grace of God, I dumped all that when uh, I became a, Christ, a Christian. Yeah. Thanks to my wife, who one day talked, talked me into going to church, uh, despite my having a terrible hangover. <laughs> I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the service. Yeah. The following Sunday, I actually requested, can I go back to church? Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I think credit goes to my praying wife. Yes. Um, and uh, I guess that's how I became a Christian. And then uh, as I was reading the Bible, it ministered to me. And uh, here I am. I've been, a, I've been a Christian now for quite a long time. And I love what the Christian church has done to my family. Yeah. Uh, I, I pity families that uh, are not in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I think everybody needs to be there. Yes. Um, I, I hear you on that, but I also want to, um, I guess, in the kind of world that we live in, also with people who are also of different faiths as well, how much yeah. of your time do you also take to understand other people's faith? I know you grew up Jehovah's Witness and now you're Pentecostal, but how do you also relate to other people who might not be of the Christian faith? Yeah, I, I relate to everybody, Pezu. Um, one, one of the things I've learned in my faith is that... Uh, all of us are creations of God. Yeah. And his love, God's love, is towards all humanity. Yeah. In fact, the Bible teaches that uh, God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus Christ to serve the world. Uh, God is love. And so... The teachings of Jesus is that we love one another. Now, there are many 
a time when uh, uh, love is not reciprocated. Yeah. When that happens, I don't mind. I will do my part. Yeah. If the other party doesn't reciprocate, that's okay. That's not my problem. Yes. My problem is I will love you whether you love me back or not. Yes. With that understanding, I'm able to get along with everybody. Yeah. Many a time I find myself rather impatient because in my interaction with anybody, when I find you are on the wrong trail, I do not normally allow you to continue until you fall into the ditch. Yeah. I stop you midway and say, no, 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 you are going the wrong direction. Yeah. Here is, here is the right route. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in so doing, I, I end up stepping on quite a number of toes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I was when I was still working, you know, it, it was awkward to become a Christian when you are a station commander in the barracks. Yeah, uh, it was rather strange, uh, you know. Um, but uh, in the barracks, I introduced lunch hour prayers, for instance. Yeah. In the station that I commanded. And I was commanding the the headquarters of the Air Force. Yes. And I, and I allowed those who wanted to go for prayers at lunchtime to be meeting in the yeah. barracks. And that was a bit strange. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it, it didn't augur well with some people. Yeah. But uh, I... I let it continue because I was sure it is what everybody needs. Yeah. My hope and prayer is that those that haven't caught on to it now, in due course of time, they will come and join us because it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with, with that kind of approach, I get along with everybody and anybody. Okay. So yeah. just also following up on your aspect where you highlighted that with this approach, you get along with anyone and everybody. In terms of um, intergenerational approaches to looking at issues, also just relating to young people as well, how much of importance do you attach to this? It is very important, Pezu, because... Uh... I mean, it's life. Um, When you see somebody heading to doom, I think all of us owe it to that one body to help them out, to rescue them. Um, It is not right to be watching somebody falling to their death, you know, uh, what is right is when you have seen them heading the wrong way, you do what is uh, humanly possible for you to do to turn them around so that you serve them. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it is possible to encounter somebody who is so blind that uh, uh, even though you are trying to correct them, they will actually fight you. Yes. Because they are hell-bent in doing what they want to do, and yet it is a wrong thing. That kind of a fight, I don't mind. (laughs) I will happily get into it. To, to the extent where I will insist, uh, even when that person is uh, in trouble, I will go to them and say, you see, this is what I was trying to turn you away from. Yeah. Now that you are in trouble, 
you know, you are not alone in trouble. Um, I'll give you an example of some of these characters who, who are uh, hell-bent in making quick money. Yeah. Okay? There are people who argue there is no bad money. And such people, when you try to turn them away from their plan, they get very annoyed. Yeah. Because their focus is on money. To such people, I say, look, the Bible tells you that the love of money is the root cause of evil. What you are doing is not right. When you get this money, you are depriving somebody who legitimately owns that money. Yeah. But you are being greedy. You want it for yourself. And uh, some would understand. Yeah. Some would make sure they turn away from me. With that attitude that I have, believe you me, Pezu, I have lost friends. Yeah. <laughs> I have lost friends, many, many friends. And I laugh because uh, when they are in trouble, if, if they call me, before they even say, I know there's, there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a problem. This guy would never, never come to me. Yeah. Uh, when, when things are going his way, because somehow many of these people do know that what they are doing is something I will object to. So they ensure I don't get to know about it. Yes. And uh, they do it. And when they are with me, they pretend they are not doing it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as it turns out, when I get to find out, I'll tell them off. I'll say, look, my friend, if you are really my friend, this kind of thing you should never do. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, it is rubbing off on me and uh, it's not right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those are some good points. Um, so looking back at your life and I think now you are, is it 72 or 73? I'm approaching 73. 73, okay. So, yeah. so looking back at your life um, all these years, what advice would you give to your younger self knowing everything that you know now? Oh, the main thing is believe in Jesus Christ and follow him. Because that, if I were to put it in one simple word, that is the meaning of integrity. Do in public what you will do in private without being ashamed whatsoever. Uh, simply put, in whatever you do, do the right thing. And, you know, God, by his grace, has been so good, he's given us free will, a mind that has capacity to tell the right from the wrong. Yeah. You do the right thing all along. And so if I were to advise the young me, I would say nobly, always do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you do the right thing and you stick to it. Yes. You have no regret. Yeah. Yeah, you have no regret. And uh, as the Bible would say, you live above board. The life I lead, as much as possible, there is no law against my lifestyle. Yeah. Because I'm above 
above the law. Mm -hmm. Okay? That is doing the right thing. When you do a wrong thing, let it be inadvertent. Okay? Yeah. Let it be inadvertent, not deliberate. Okay. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's attainable with the goodwill, with the fighting spirit, with determination. Mm -hmm. It can be attained. Yeah. And would this be also the same piece of advice that you would also give to younger people today? That is the one I tell them all the time when I get opportunity to speak to the young ones. Yeah. Do the right thing. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. These days, the attractions and the trappings uh, of these attractions are immense. Uh, the, the enemy, you know, these gadgets that we move with all the time, the smartphones and all, sometimes strange things would pop up, things that uh, you don't want. Yeah. You need to have a quick finger to turn it off immediately. Yeah. Because if you don't, it looks very attractive and enticing. Yeah. Now, many a young person doesn't believe when he is told that sin is very attractive and it, it is pleasurable. Yeah. Uh, in many of uh, uh, the presence of peer pressure, you find your peers would want to drag you along to do evil. If you don't go along, they say you are dull, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it looks like uh, uh, that's the life, but it is not. Yeah. The right thing demands you do the right thing, you shun the wrong and do the right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, turn away from the dark. Come into the light. Yeah. Because that which you do in the dark, while you think you are having fun, is evil. Yeah. And it will lead you to problems. Yeah. That which you do in the light would normally be the right thing because you don't want people to see you doing the wrong things. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So my word to the young people, stay in the light. Yeah. Turn away from the dark. Mm -hmm. You belong to the light where you lead a life that will be devoid of regrets. Yeah. No, thank you for okay. that. Yes. Yeah. So the final question is who are the three people who have been the most influential to you throughout your life? The three who have, who have influenced me? Yes, who have been the most influential in your life? <laughs> uh, my father. Yes. And uh, my mother. Okay. And uh, in humanity, I would say my wife. Yeah. Yeah, those three. So your mother, number, your father. Number one, number one is my father. Okay. And how was he particularly influential to you? You know, uh, my father was a... Uh, is it is the word handicapped? Yes. Well, different, yeah. differently abled. That's the best. He was uh, he was uh, differently abled in that uh, he lost his left arm when he was young. Yeah. 
in, in an accident. And uh, uh, for a one-armed uh, man, he was extremely resourceful. Yeah. So resourceful that uh, as I was growing up, I saw uh, all his relatives very clearly dependent upon him. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he was a giver. Uh, he used to look after his people so much that uh, even though he was never a rich man per se, yeah. he was, a, I think, the most wealthy human being I've ever come across. Yeah. And uh, he used to tell me, and he used to tell all of us, of course, uh, that uh, he was very rich. Uh, which now that I'm grown up and I'm going through what I'm going through, I've realized he meant he was very wealthy. Yeah. He was a, he was a wise man. Many, many people used to call on him for advice. Yeah. People who had problems used to go to him to yeah. have their problems sorted out. And he used to look out for his people who had trouble yeah. uh, financially and you know, and uh, he would go out of his way to help them and get them out of their problems. Okay? Yeah. That, is, that was my father. Then comes uh, my mother. Yeah. Uh, who I learned as I saw, who seemed to be his number one advisor. Yeah. You know? And uh, I loved the way she would advise my father. A very polite way. She would never show him off as uh, doing a wrong thing in public. If he does, she would find a way of uh, calling, calling him away, whispering to him, and he comes back and changes his direction, and everybody agrees with his decisions. Yeah. Uh, I witnessed in him authority. When he raised his voice in anger, I saw people leaving their chairs and sitting on the floor. And they would start clapping. Uh, and uh, I later learned that was uh, the authority from the tribal authority, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, for my sins, I have adopted that. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my wife got to know my mother. Yes. Uh, who initially, initially my mother had rejected my wife. When I told her this is the girl I want to marry, she said no. <laughs> yes. And I said, why? She explained a few reasons. Yeah. So I went told my girlfriend, I said, look, my mother doesn't want you because of ABC. Yeah. Uh, the same, I'll take you, I must introduce you. So we went and my mother told her off in my presence. Yeah. And uh, I asked her and she says, yeah, okay, I'll change according to what your mother has said. Yeah. And my wife changed. And partially through that change, I, I, I must say, she turned into my mother. So, you know, there's a, there's a saying, I think it is the members who say, Kamonko, Peuwa, Wangamayo. 
through that change, I have a wife who reminds me so much of my mother, and I'm very grateful to God that uh, she does many things that I saw my mother do with my father. Yeah. When I go out of line, she brings me on track. And, uh, you know, I must say, I'm one of the luckiest people. Yes, you definitely are. And how yeah. many years have you been married? Uh, funny you should ask me that today, because tomorrow, on April 6th, yes. I'm married for 47 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> tomorrow is our anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, 47 I, years, 47 years of uh, happy marriage. Yes. Right. So how, how, I know you've explained that um, you married someone who reminded you a lot of your mother and how she was with your father, but also father. what other elements of um, have underpinned your marriage for it to be happy and successful that other people can also, um, I guess everyone's relationship or marriage is different, but I think there's certain fundamentals that people can look for when they're, when they're either looking to marry or a potential partner that you think has been a foundation for your 47 years of marriage. Yeah, on, on my part, um, I would say, it's the commitment. Um, when, when people go into marriage, they go through a series of vows. And as they give those vows, they, they make promises to God. They make promises to their witnesses. And they make promises to one another. Yeah. Uh, the marriage vow makes the man tell the, the wife that uh, she owns him. And she also tells him he owns her. Yeah. Now, when you take the vows seriously, that is the starting point to a happy dedicated marriage uh, because when you are serious with your vows or the statements thereof I don't see where the differences will come from uh, already you are different people who have choice to come together and live together as one and so when one of you makes a mistake yeah join together and correct that mistake yeah when one makes a mistake the other one should not condemn the other the other one should not turn to the other and say you've done this therefore damnation no you belong to one another yeah. if one makes a mistake join together and correct that mistake yeah yeah and it doesn't matter who makes the mistake the male chauvinism dies away yeah you are partners and partners together to the grace of God in the life that he has given you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So my advice to married couples would be mind one another, honor one another, submit to one another, and share your lives together because you own life together. Yeah. Yeah. If I earn money, although it's in my pocket, if she wants something, that money should freely come out to get it. 
There should be no hassle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, 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 when she goes to cook, she must cook the best she knows because we deserve the best she knows. Yeah. If I'm doing something, I must do it the best I can for her. Yeah. Yeah. Totally submissive to her. Yeah. Uh, there are people who say, no, 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 no. That is uh, living under petticoat government. No, that is doing the right thing. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, in marriage, you are never competitors. You are complementaries. Yeah. I hope you understand. Yes, yeah, so I understand and I think it's a really good perspective that you've given because I think most of the time people only end at the aspect of the women, the woman needs to be submissive without Correct. the reciprocity of both parties being submissive to each other. Yeah. In, in fact, you see, marriage is a creation of God, right? It's God who instituted marriage. Yeah. So if anybody wants to know how to live with the wife or the woman, how to live with the husband, go to God's word. Yeah. I live with my wife on the rules set by God, not the rules set by my wife or by myself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She is the beneficiary of God's instructions to me. And I also hope I am beneficiary of God's instructions to her. Yeah. The two of us must be living together in obedience to God. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are okay. very good. Yes, those are very good points. I think a lot of us um, have noted that down, and I think it's really important. So we've now come to the end. Um, I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I think this, I know we there was a point where I talked about an intergenerational approach, but this has actually also been an inter intergenerational dialogue between us. Um, and I think just hearing the different perspectives, but also your journey um, when it comes to starting the school, um, how it impacts the community in which it's based, your family, faith, and um, all this and how it encompasses who you are collectively. So I just want to say thank you very much. And I think everyone who is listening to this will um, have learned a lot. Thank you very much, Pezu. Thank you very much. Wish you well. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. Good night. Good night.